0: The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions.
1: Listen up. I'm still someone who's not formed that much of an opinion of the most recent one, Gigaton, yet. Because I keep mm-hmm. saying I think you need to hear them live. You know, whether, whether actually, you know, you being there to see them or just listening to a live recording, because quite often that'll change your mind on a song.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people have said about it.
1: Have you listened to it much, though, since it's come out? Yeah, I've listened to it a fair bit when it first came out. And it's, cause for me, the issue with it, it's a bit too long, some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Not that they outstay the welcome, they're just a bit, you know, the stats of drag a bit long, because that first, what is it, comes and goes. Yeah. I was a big fan of that. Then I, you start thinking, no, this is maybe one or two verses too long. Yeah, because yeah. Because it's a long, it's a long song. And I'm not a massive fan of like, you know, I am a fan of politics in songs, you know, get issues into songs and things. But when you start, you know, naming specific people, not that I'm for or against either way, obviously, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not in the US, but it ages a song, mm-hmm. you know, sitting, what is it, sitting, bullshit is sitting president. That's already outdated. And so how, you know, you assume they're going to change the lyrics live for that. Yeah. It's like Bush League. Why you ne- never hear Bush League again? You know, it's a song on an album, but you're never going to hear it again because it's just—it's almost irrelevant now. It's of a certain time period.
0: Yeah, it starts throwing shade at Boris Johnson, and you know, you—and uh, <laughs> then it grabs your attention, right? Oh yeah, throw,
1: throw, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, throws much shade. As, no, but it's, uh, there is um, a band here called Idols that are a punk band, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're quite specific with politics, but naming specific people. Like, then I think there's a reference to Jacob Rees-Mogg in one of the songs. And he, let me see, he's basically a sort of junior cabinet minister. Mm-hmm. It, well, his leader of the House of Commons is his cabinet role. But you're thinking, how's that going to age in 20 years' time? You know, who is, people will be listening. Oh, this is a good song, but who is this? What does it mean?
0: Yeah, there's kind of a, a I think, a line. is sort of, okay, you know, they're writing the song and they got something they want to say, something they want to express and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, does it work? As a song though, you know, it's like, I know it's their expression and they can do what they want, but you know, are people mm-hmm. going to want to listen to it? And then is it their responsibility to try to make something that people are going to want to listen to? Because I mean, if you want to sell records and stuff like that, of course you got to think about that.
1: Yeah. But
0: then again, you know, if you got something to say and you want to say it, that's like, everybody's like that. Everybody has stuff they want to say. Everybody wants to express their th- their feelings and their thoughts and stuff, and so if you're doing it in a song, why can't you do it there? And it's kind of like, well, you know, it's it's too long. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work as a song. You're you are cramming in too many words. It's not you know rhythmic. It's and it's kind of like ah, oh, you know. But people experiment and stuff all the time. You know, I mean, you know, weird old Sonic Youth songs and stuff, and there are songs like Sweet Lou that's yeah, yeah. you
1: know kind of weird, and and uh, that's a good song. I liked it. <laughs> I think the uh, pandemic hasn't helped either with their uh, music. You know, they can't play it live. They can't get on TV shows to promote it. So you kind of forget about newer releases. Yeah. Unless you're listening to it a lot. So obviously I think we'd be in a different position had we heard this record. you would maybe have a totally different opinion of it had we heard, had a year of live shows. Wow!
0: Welcome to Season 8, Episode 19 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam Catalog with your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, he goes track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Lost Dogs track, Sweet Lou, with return guest Alex Hogard. Hello, Alex. Hi, Brandon. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm looking, thanks for having me back on. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about Sweet Lou.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I put out this list for people that it's like, okay, you can choose the songs you want to talk about. And I think you were the only one who marked Sweet <laughs> Lou as one of the songs you wanted to talk about. So I was like, well, I guess I got to give it to you then because uh, nobody else really wants to talk about it. This uh, song was written by Jeff Aments, It was considered, well, I don't know about considered, but it was uh, recorded during lo- the during the binaural sessions. Ed isn't on it. It's just the, uh, the rest of the band and uh, Chad Blake, the producer. Yeah, Chad Blake is on the Wurlitzer, which I don't really hear that on there, but I don't know. It could be deep in there. You hear uh stone and Mike playing uh guitar with uh some ring modulation on it, which uh is that weird meow meow sound that you hear on that for people who aren't into
1: uh guitar effects and stuff Sweet blue, me blue. yeah it's a it's a weird one but i, I quite like it <laughs> I know this might be a i hope to change a few people's opinions on it it's um, i think the sound as well it's', it's almost a basketball rhythm to it, you know, if you were dribbling a basketball. Power high, power low, you can take them all to school, you can fly that still had nothing on you
0: lamb chops and afro do milwaukee bucks and a barbecue number 33 just like you sweet lou how could you
1: sweet lou making me I think certainly in the live setting, they've had a basketball on stage, Eddie bouncing it, <laughs> trying to make effects through the microphone. And you've only played the song
0: twice live. Mm-hmm. The first time was at one of the Spectrum shows on October 31st, and then they uh, played it at Madison Square Garden
1: on May 21st, the following year. And both of the shows, to play it there, not really surprising when you consider the content of the song. Yeah. Two f- famous basketball arenas. Particularly the last, it was the last night of the Air Spectrum, the mm-hmm. Halloween show, I believe. So it's almost inevitable that they bring it out for its debut at that one.
0: Yeah, and the, on the live shows too. Uh, yeah, Ed is Ed is playing basketball, I guess, and uh, Mike and Stone are both playing bass. So yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, Jeff wrote the song, and the bass is heavily featured on that. He's playing uh, bass chords, which kind of gives it that weird sound too. And uh, it's got the trademark Jeff sort of vocal layering on that that Mm -hmm. uh, is real familiar if you've heard his uh, solo stuff. Yeah. Let's see. The song uh, Sweet Lou is a reference to the name that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was born with, Lou Alcindor. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, is a writer and author, uh, worked on the Veronica Mars series in 2019 when it came back, and also the Minecraft Holmes series. He's a real big fan of uh, Sherlock Holmes and stuff. He's also an actor. From uh, Some people may have uh, seen him in the unfinished Bruce Lee film, Game of Death. Bruce Lee, of course, was his uh, mentor and taught him Jeet Kune Do. And uh, also airplane. We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209 to Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know
1: you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers.
0: I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot.
1: You are, Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's
0: got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid, I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. He also did a uh, cameo in The Simpsons and, uh, the, you know, the film Slam Dunk Ernest, too. Like I think I think I think like he played basketball or something like that. I don't know. I don't
1: I think he's a. Uh... Made a brief appearance in Everybody Loves Raymond as well. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> he shows up in a lot of places. But we've not mentioned his basketball career, which is why he's famous. And when you look at the stats, you can understand why 20 seasons in the NBA, and of those 20, he was a 19-time All-Star. He's won six NBA championships. Considered one of the greatest players of all time. And that is where how the song originates, I suppose, with the, um, the MTV Rockin' Jock basketball games did you ever watch those oh yeah of course i was mm-hmm. i was a kid back then
0: the, the, the correct uh, name of course is the rock and jock b-ball jam
1: oh well, i <laughs> can't understand why it was so popular <laughs> but, yeah the uh basically the song came about the story is uh jeff played in i think two of these games and the second one Karim abdul-jabbar was actually coaching in this game and Jeff had idolised Karim from a young age, you know, being a, obviously we know he's a big basket, fan of basketball. He played it at high school and could have gone on to play it at college, but chose to focus on his music. But he did. Uh, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was coaching and Jeff went to approach him. And Jeff basically said, he said, hey, Karim, I just want to say that you've been a huge inspiration to me. And he put his hand out for him to shake it. Yeah, Karim Abdul-Jabbar just looked down at his hand and said, that's great. Did a 180, just totally walked away and he did know the handshake. And that's where basically Jeff went away and wrote this song out of a bit of anger about how he was uh, treated, the treatment he received from Mr Abdul Jabbar.
0: Yeah, and then, and then I think uh, Jeff too has later said that he kind of understands. It's kind of like, I, you know what? It's it, you know, how many people have I might have done that to? You know, who are excited to meet me and stuff, and I'm tired mm-hmm. or whatever, and I'm just kind of not into it and just kind of ignore and stuff. So I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I understand. And but.
1: In a way, you could understand if you know if it was a random person in the street, but when uh, Jeff was actually playing in this game and he was a coach on one of the teams, mm-hmm. you know, you would think a handshake at least would be the least he could do. So it did inspire what you could call the, the Pearl Jam diss track, <laughs> is what I'd uh, compare it to, because I do think it's it's quite got a sort of hip hop rap in, inspiration to it. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the NBA hip hop culture. You know, there's a lot of crossover there, and I think that that has played a part in this this track. But it's also while it is you know a bit of a rant about the treatment uh, Jeff received, it's also quite comedic. You know, it is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek song. It's got a sense of humour about it. I think a lot of fans of the band think this of more serious. You know, they think this was a serious song. Mm-hmm. But I think there's more. You know, it's uh, more light-hearted than a lot of people think. It's not. It was never meant to be a serious. No serious number. It's just a bit of fun. And I think you can see that whenever they've performed it, they're having a laugh about it, enjoying themselves on stage.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things, one of the uh the dichotomies about Pearl Jam. Like you said, yeah, because uh, he they met, yeah, on the uh on the M T V Rock Jog People Jam. Uh But that was in that was like in like in ninety four or something like that, and then this song, you know, was recorded ninety nine or whatever, and you thousand for Binarl, Then it's kinda like did he really write it like back then or something and kind of held on to the lyrics or something until they kind of made the song or did he always have this around or did, was it kind of, he remembered it's like, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah. Let me just write these lyrics. Let me, you know, just write this song right now as we're working on, you know, this stuff as there's been, you know, three albums or so in between that time Mm -hmm. that they're doing that. So,
1: and I think even the way they, you know, he performs it when you've seen it live, you know, the the voice, the vocal he puts on it, the vocals obviously often criticised for the performance. You know, people aren't a fan of Jeff's vocal performance on the record. But I think it's more he's putting that voice on as a joke. Yeah. Sort of almost, he almost raps it. Mm, yeah. And on enough, stage, yeah. you know, like we said, the Bruce Lee reference, you know, Kung Fu. He actually does a little Kung Fu kick when he says that. Uh-huh. So it's all part of this, you know, this pantomime performance of this song, and I think it's more, in a way, it's uh, you know, criticising Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but it's also praising him. If you look at the lyrics, it's full, you know, it's full of basketball references. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the line about Wilt the still Wilt Chamberlain Wilt the still had nothing on you, so you know he's putting uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on this pedestal. Well, you know, you could Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain often considered the greatest centre of all time, yet Jeff thought Kareem was. Know, superior to him.
0: Yeah, I did see a uh something on, uh, online. Like I said, I'm not a sports guy, so I I, I don't know about uh Kareem Abdul Jabbar uh, playing basketball or something, but I, I guess it says that he uh he has the record for the most total points scored in uh in NBA history and uh I I don't know how that compares to Wilt Chamberlain's uh record of uh sleeping with 20,000 women. Uh if uh I guess they all have their own
1: yeah, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was prolific. Yeah,
0: I think when you talk about uh, uh, well, Chamberlain, you I think are contractually obligated to mention uh, that bit of uh, trivia. I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: wh- whether it's true or not, uh, only he knows. Yeah. But either way, it's impressive even to try and claim that <laughs> number. So
0: um, yeah, like like you're saying, um, this does have a sort of sense of humor and a sense of fun in it, which. I think especially early in Pearl Jam's period when a lot of people got into them, Pearl Jam are real serious and earnest and all about feelings and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when a song like this or, you know, even like I think Dirty Frank, I think was like their first sort of humorous sort of, you know, uh, we're just messing around having yeah. fun song. I think I know that I latched onto to that song at that time because like, oh, yeah, Dirty Frank. Oh, yeah, they're having fun. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. I don't know why for me, like a song like this, which is kind of like the same, but it's in a little bit later period of their career kind of like, ah, you know, guys, come on, you're not funny. I
1: don't know.
0: I mean, there's, you know, especially, um, recently from the, um, around the time that gigaton has come out and they're kind of doing their promotional things about it and stuff like that online and stuff. You'll see Ed, doing things which i guess he thinks are funny online (laughs) but are kind of like eye rolling kind of like okay that's yeah the the dad joke (laughs) Mm -hmm. or whatever i think is is what people say yeah yeah. you know just because i don't know people can have different senses of humor i guess or they can appreciate humor and then not be funny Mm. themselves or you know
1: i agree with uh, that point i think it would have been more it would have been funnier had they performed it in the 90s Mm-hmm. rather than you know releasing it in 2003 it waits until 2009 to perform it
0: yeah do you think if this was like a um like a fan club single or something that was released around maybe like no code time or something like that like the uh olympic platinum or something that it would have maybe been a little bit more people kind of talking about it's kind of like ah, oh, yeah you know they're kind of just this weird sort of comedy song or something like that
1: yeah, I think it would have made maybe had a bit more of a following had they done it like that rather than just putting it on Lost Dogs and saying this is a binaural outtake. Then people are thinking, "What? This was considered? <laughs> you know, this was considered for the record."
0: Yeah, cuz I think like mostly it does sort of feel out of place along Lost Dogs cuz like a lot of those songs like are serious songs and album outtakes and stuff like that and then you have, you know, this song you guys kind of like, "Okay, yeah, you know, B-girl is kind of uh eh, it's not really a real sort of song or something like that. It's like, "Oh, Grammy out of control." Okay, you know, whatever. That was they recorded that for a soundtrack or some or a compilation or something. Yeah. We have like all these serious songs and then you have like this song which does feel I think like out of place with where they were in their career during binaural and then also like the the just the other songs. I think but uh you know, Dirty Frank follows it which kind of maybe mm-hmm. gives people a a hint as to tor- sort of the uh Yes. Here's a similar song to it.
1: Yeah, it's in the sort of light-hearted section yeah. of Lost Dogs. But at the same time, it's on disc two, which, you know, if you look at disc two, there's a lot of serious, heavy songs on yeah, there. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you get these two sort of pop out from nowhere. doesn't really fit in even on this, even on this collection of outtakes. But I think a Christmas single would have been the way to go on it. I think they've, they've had maybe had more more of a following, more of a desire to hear it live had it been a Christmas single.
0: Do you you think in any sort of alternate universe uh, that this could have gone (laughs) on by (laughs) binaural at all in any uh, of the weird track listings or something like that? There's the original sort of uh, track listing with uh, all the other songs, you know, sad and stuff, and and, uh, I guess God's Dice isn't on there or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head oh, i should have brought that up if if sweet lou at all was on that
1: listing or not i don't think so i can't remember if it was i don't no, i don't think i think it could have been a good hidden track rather than you know the uh once it got writer's block mm-hmm. which isn't really a track at all is it? it's just eddie hammering away on a typewriter but i also think had it been released at the time of the you know you say it better than me the rock and jock b-ball Mm-hmm. game had it been released sort of around the time that had happened would maybe be more relevant and people could understand why he's done it rather than wait the length of time he did to release it and re- just record it
0: oh yeah it's not on the original track listing so <laughs> i don't think people had to like like i think we kind of <laughs> said it's like i don't think it was considered for binaural it was just maybe recorded during that time i he's got education in the moonlight sad
1: on there yeah, hardly surprising it wasn't or all <laughs> originally thought of being put on the record. But, and to continue with the need to touch on the uh, third verse of the song, this continues with the uh, sort of humor about the song.
0: I grew up trying to copy you, Bruce Lee and our Kung Fu, after Jasmine Yogi 2,
1: little did I know. you know there's the build them high build them tall line then tear them down one and all this refers to there was an urban myth that kareem abdul-jabbar lost millions building hotels that was specifically designed for tall people mm-hmm. while it's a myth there is a half half truth in it that he was part of an investment group in the 80s that spent a lot of money on real estate particularly hotels and they bought a place called the balboa inn in los angeles which in its head, it was sort of the place to be seen for the Hollywood elite you know Carry grand people like that, but as part of the deal, one of the suites in the hotel was actually built for Car and it had nine foot high doors mm-hmm. so he didn't have to stoop getting into the room, but this group did this group did end up losing a lot of money through the poor investments, but it wasn't quite the truth in the song that it made it lost a lot of money building hotels just for tall people uh-huh. <laughs> so Again, it's quite an obscure reference to make in a song, but it, I think it show you know it does show the humour because it's a funny thing to think about building a hotel for tall people. You know, <laughs> it's it's all part of this humour about the song. But while we say you know there's a humour and a lack of seriousness about the song, there is an act- a deep message this song has. A you know more serious message, and that's about you know just treating people with manners and kindness because that's mm-hmm. that's what the song was formed from all kareem had to do was shake jeff's hand and he'd have gone away thinking oh this guy's fantastic this guy's great you know and that wouldn't have you know that, what's that a few seconds of his time to say oh thank you very much for saying that shake shook his hand and he could have been on with his day and i think jeff had even alluded to that he often thinks about that moment when people have met him you know if he's not in the mood or anything just just to be polite as a minimum people will go away thinking, oh, what a nice guy, rather than thinking, oh, that was, you know, I'm, I feel let down by the mm-hmm. way he spoke to me or what have you. So while it is a very lighthearted song, there is this message for people to think about in it, you know, that kindness goes a long way.
0: Yeah, you're not you're not really in control of how people are going to remember you or what people are going to think about you. So why not give them the ammo to only remember you as a good person or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't think it even goes down to ammo. Though. It's just basic politeness, you know, please, thank you all. Nice to meet you. That's, you know, it's yeah, things yeah. you don't really think about, but it could mean everything to somebody, you know, in Jeff's position, looking up at Kareem, idolizing him, you know, it, had he shook his hand, he could have gone away thinking, oh, that was brilliant. This is, you know, this is a fantastic day. Instead, he went, you know, he went away feeling, as he said in his own words, pissed.
0: And I, I think that's, you know, the, uh, you know, the sweet Lou, how could you mm-hmm. making me blue?
1: Yeah. Another thing to add in terms of the live performance is is another bit of a, you know, kind of a jerky thing Jeff does. Both times have performed it live, he's worn a basketball jersey mm-hmm. and in the Philadelphia show, he wore a, a 76ers Wilt Chamberlain jersey. And in the New York Show, wore a Knicks Willis Reed jersey, and both of these people wear centers who you could argue, you know, are in that conversation to be, you know, one of the greatest centers in NBA history. So they're sort of rivaling Kareem. So it's another little, you know, little inside joke that he'd wear any other jersey than Kareem's to perform the song in.
0: Is uh is uh is the NBA um popular at all in Britain, or people pay attention to it at all?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's televised here. You know, mm-hmm. People watch it. I don't. I don't follow it as much as I used to because I did play a basketball at one time. I've got the you know I've got the broken fingers to prove that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a few friends who are you know very keen on following it. I don't think they would uh, get the Sweet Lou references though. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure many would if they would not read into yeah. the song the way we have in order to research this show. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think if if you like if you like Pearl Jam, if you're if you're real into them, you gotta. Uh, I guess you gotta sort of tolerate the the sports references and stuff and
1: learn a little bit about those and like yourself if you're not a fan of sports or the nba there's a lot of references in this song that just go totally amiss and as i said earlier wilt the still wilt chamberlain got bobby d reference to bob dandridge i believe was with milwaukee a little help from 32 that's when he was with the lakers magic johnson another Mm -hmm. reference there and had your own shoe he was famous for Adidas Sky hook Shoes he was advertising during his career. So there's a whole lot of references in the song, but you've got to look, you know, you've got to look for them. If you don't know them, if you're not a fan of the sport, you won't probably, you know, pass you by.
0: Yeah, And uh, on, the, on the website, of course, uh, they have the lyric, build them high, build them tall. A haiku with a basketball, mm-hmm. but uh, he's, uh, he, um, when you listen to it, he's saying a tycoon with a yeah. basketball. So that's... Uh... You know, another instance where who knows why pearljim.com has uh, different lyrics or something like that. I think in one of the live performances, he did say haiku, though. I grew up trying to copy you,
1: Bruce Lee, and I calling Yeah, I like the haiku line. That's it. But I think on the website as well, it says build him high, build him tall, rather than build them high, build them tall. So there's another possible mistake from the website. Then who knows? He could have written haiku or typhoon. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Without, his, without his original transcript. <laughs> is
0: there is there anything else about this song that uh, we can parse? I think that uh, this is pretty much more than anybody else has ever talked about this song. <laughs> uh,
1: I hope so. I hope I've made uh, some people think about it. could be, you know, it's a comedy song that does have a serious message to it. I think mm-hmm. I hope people uh, view it differently in the future, that there is a, there is a serious message underneath all the jokes.
0: Hey, in the Pearl Jam 20 book, uh, in the Lost Dogs entry for this, uh, uh, Jeff does say that, uh, he, that this is the worst Pearl Jam song of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I or, or that people have called it that or yeah there was an espn or that interview
1: believes it too yeah there was an espn interview with him talking about this song talking about his uh fandom of basketball and he mm-hmm. quite proudly stated it was only the second worst pale jam song in history but he oh. didn't he didn't actually <laughs> list which was the worst so i think he does see it as a badge of honor that it's down there yeah, I mean, it's,
0: it's, 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 it's up to all of us. Uh, leave, leave a message. Give me an email. What you think is the,
1: is the worst song than this, uh, you're a bit of bot at uh, <laughs> I've got to say as well, I think it was the second night in London, 2018. There was a brief moment. I thought I was going to get this song. Oh, really? There was a basketball floating around in the front of the crowd and there was a sign requesting sweet Lou. Oh, and because this was, this was the tour where Eddie had his uh, vocal issues. And so Stern had been singing quite a bit on that tour and we did get Mankind that night. Mm -hmm. At one point there was a chant of let Jeff sing, let Jeff sing.
0: Jeff, they're saying that you should sing now.
1: Jeff shall not be singing tonight as he throat. is too fine a of a singer. A
0: He's saying he has a sore throat, you fucking out. that's a dig at me, isn't it? <laughs> it's tricky when you let, you know, these Matt's made records on his own, Mike can sing. The reason they're not allowed to sing, because if you start hearing them sing, then I'm out of a fucking job. That shan't be happening. It's all I've got.
1: And you saw on the stage, you were sort of looking round. I was thinking, oh is, oh, is this going to happen? <laughs> Are they going to do it? But last note, <laughs> Jeff did actually come to the microphone and sort of make it, oh, my, oh, I've got a sore throat, you know, taking the mic out of Eddie. But yeah, there was, that, there was a few seconds I thought, oh, we could get Sweet Lou, but no.
0: Um. So let's wrap up today. Uh, let's see. You're You're coming back and and we know your Pearl Jam origin story, but one thing we don't know about you, and we and we we know what Pearl Jam means to you. One thing we don't know is how you rank the albums.
1: I think uh, we've got to first state that you uh you only told me about that this morning, <laughs> so I've had so I've had a few uh, hours. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I am I am kind of thankful that you for that because otherwise I'd have spent a week. Thinking about this, could have gone through a lot of paper,
0: mm-hmm. agonising, writing
1: differently. So basically, quite quickly off the top of my head, in the pre-introduction to this episode, I've come up with what I think's a, a decent eleven list. Number eleven would be backspace. Would be lightning bolt. Actually, I did change, however, uh, I've, I've, I've even sw- I've swapped that around in the few minutes since uh, writing that list. So it's mm-hmm. lightning oh. bolt backspacer. <laughs> Number nine's gigaton That's because I've not. I need to hear the songs live to make more of an opinion. It could, so it does have the potential to move up the list. Mm-hmm. Eight, Pearl Jam Avocado. Seven, Riot, Act. Six, Vitology. That might be quite low for some people, but there's, as an album, there's just some, there's some absolute classic tracks on there, but there's some, you know, the weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of lets that down. Cause, you know, when's ever, anyone ever going to go, Oh, I want to hear, Hey, Foxy, my Pandelman, where it's me.
0: Yeah.
1: Put an I, Davinita. <laughs> oh yeah i can't wait to get home to listen to that number five ten fours binaural three no code two verses and number one yield and my only complaint with yield would be um red dot before mfc mm-hmm. had they uh, recorded untitled as they often play untitled into mfc live had they un- done untitled into mfc on the record i think that would have been you know 10 out of 10 album
0: yeah i think i think for me. Uh if like red dot was the, like when you have the, the vinyl do the evolution starts the second side. It's like, Oh, if red dot started the second side, mm-hmm. then that's kind of like a cool little, Oh, transition. Like, Oh, you flip the record. Here's something new. Here's this thing coming yeah. out, but they would have to retract the Then the whole thing. And that would, that might not work.
1: Yeah. Instead. It's just, what's this? Mm, it's just a minute. Yeah. It just blows you out. And it's like, yeah,
0: whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's so, always thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Of course. I gotta. I gotta find somebody to talk about the song. You wanted to talk about it, so hell yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perhaps the one person in the world willing. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. No, I'll take that. Yeah, or,
0: or some other uh, uh, basketball historian that is like, oh, this is my favorite song for pro jam because it's a, uh, it's all about basketball, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's all the references. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, thanks, for, uh, th- thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much. The Better Band Podcast is produced by Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from BetterBandPod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BetterBandPod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Alex, and as always, this is Brandon, saying... Hey Dad, heard you swearing. Mind if I join in? Crap, boops, crap! Hell damn fart!